If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews 10, 22 to 24. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for this gathering today. We pray that you bless our fellowship. Pray that you bless these words as yours, not mine. We pray that they speak to us in season. And I just pray that you be with us here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Seems like a theme, this um, Hebrews uh, message, it, you know, it's come out a few times and Ben um, spoke specifically um, from Hebrews 24 and 25 um, last week. But um, when he spoke last week, I, I don't know if you all heard it, but I, I, I thought personally it was, a, it was an awesome message. Um, not that others are not, but to me it really spoke to me and really challenged me. And there was one quote, one thing that Ben said last week, which I'm going to quote, He said, have we sacrificed the message of discipleship for the convenience of volunteerism? And there were lots of other good things that he said. It was a great message. But to me, that really challenged me because for me, and I'm not saying this to um, big note myself, but, you know, it is what it is. I I do actually do a lot of work for church. I'm the chairman of the board you know, I take that, that role very seriously. I look after our, um, our finances. You know, there, there wouldn't be a day that goes past that I'm not doing something for church and putting some significant thought into church. And I know Ben, you know, does a lot with people and I'm glad that he does that job. Very happy that he does that job. Um, but for me, thinking about our church, I think about compliance. I think about risk. I think about budgeting. I think about finances. I think about grants, uh, you know, I think about chairs, I think about carpet, I think about paint, you know, I think about all of those really practical operational things that, that happen in church and I take that role really seriously because for me, I want to be able to take that burden away from Ben. I want to be able to free him up to be able to do what he's gifted in so that I can do what I'm gifted in and, and all of the others in the church leadership can do what they're gifted in so that we can work together and, and provide services to the community. And I may not have all the ideas, you know, sometimes I might be a little bit too operational, um, but at the end of the day, that thought of have I sacrificed discipleship for the convenience of, of, of volunteering, it's easy for us to get into a church environment when we're doing, doing, doing all the time, and I felt challenge to think that God doesn't care what I do. God cares about who I am. God cares about my heart. God cares about what's happening in my life, not about what I'm doing for the church. Because at the end of the day, if I up and left tomorrow, which I'm not, but if I left tomorrow, someone would fill my spot. I'm not irreplaceable. And honestly, Ben's not irreplaceable. We don't want to lose him, of course. It would leave a big hole. But we would get on with it. God would find a way. None of us are irreplaceable. But what is 
irreplaceable is the relationship that we have with God in our hearts. What we can't, what we can't do through volunteering is draw near to God and have an active whole relationship with God because of what we're doing. All he cares about with us is what we do. And, and true, sometimes what we do is an overflow of what comes out of our heart and the relationship that we have with God. But ultimately, it's our relationship with God and how we respond to different circumstances in our life that ultimately matters the most. And, you know, this message that uh, I'm sharing with you today, I actually felt God put on my heart about two years ago. And I wrote this message about two years ago and I was all ready to, to share it. And then I felt God say to me, not now. It's not for right now, which I was really annoyed about because I think it was like a Friday night before I was supposed to share the message. And anyway, and when Ben said that line last week, it reminded me of this message that I had written two years ago. And it was on this scripture, Hebrews 10, 22 to 24, the same part of the Bible, the same verse even that, that Ben used last week. And I feel like it is a message for our church right now. And, you know, COVID has been a challenge. Judy mentioned it. Um, it, it. Obviously, it's an issue. You know, I don't know if you guys have um, caught up with the news of, you know, some of the things that are happening in, in Victoria, which is just awful. It, it's, it's in, it seems inhumane. Um, and we are blessed to be in South Australia, to be protected from that, to not be held captive in a way. You know, even the most vulnerable parts of society, you know, to be held captive in a way... Is just, it seems, uh, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem Australian, for whatever that means. Um, but I think what COVID has shown us, and I shared this uh, in the online message uh, a few weeks ago, is that through this time, I really believe that God has taken things away. He's pruned some things to either let them wither away and die because they aren't important, or to make them more fruitful at some point in the future. And I feel like this message of relationship, of encouraging one another, this is the fruit that we're going to see out of our community. Because we, we've had it taken away from us, we weren't able to meet together and look each other in the eye and encourage each other physically over that time. I feel like that's something that God has taken away so that it can come back and be more fruitful. For whatever reason, we'll understand, I think, at some point in the future. But not being able to encourage each other physically is, is so different. You know, getting a message from someone online is great. But having someone look you in the eye and you can see the sincerity in their heart when they want you to, to you know, move forward or to encourage you is an amazing blessing. And so I feel like this season for our church, this time right now, is a time for us to encourage each other, to spur each other on in love and good deeds, just like this scripture says. So we're going to dig uh, a little bit deeper into those three. Um, and ultimately, Ben shared last week, our vision as a church is to live like Jesus lived. And I feel like this scripture, there are many others, but I feel like this, these three scriptures sum up a foundation to be able to live like Jesus lived. So let's look at it a little bit closer. I'll read the, the whole lot again. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. 
and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Just a quick little bono about Hebrews, just in case you didn't know. Hebrews, um, it's, it's not 100% clear who wrote it, but Hebrews was written to Jewish converts to Christianity. That's the story. So these were Jewish people who converted to Christianity. And what you'll see all through Hebrews is these really strong links to Old Testament teaching, to the law and, you know, how Jesus has overcome the law. And so some of these things seem a little bit weird and, you know, a bit out there, but the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish people who were comfortable with the law of sacrifice and, you know, all of those sorts of things, and they're they're talking to that particular group of people about how Jesus has overcome all of those things. So when you see something like having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, in the Old Testament, when they would make sacrifices, they would sprinkle the blood over the altar to atone for their sins. So it's making a direct reference to Old Testament law and New Testament Jesus, basically. Just a side note. In this 22, it says that there are three exhortations to us. Let us draw near. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess and let us consider how we can spare each other on. This first one, let us draw near with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The key in this is draw near to God. And I'm sure you're all expecting a Greek word. This is very important. The Greek word for draw near is prosikamai. Now, prosikamai is made up of two words, pros and ekamai. Now, the important one is pros, and that means moving toward a goal or destination, and it suggests this cycle of initiation and response. So, in other words, drawing near to God is about us initiating something and then him responding to us. It's, it's, at, it's, it's an action. It's not just a sit in worship, which I'm not saying is not an action because it can be, but it's not a idle action, it's something that we do. We initiate something and God will respond to us. So when it says draw near to God, it's talking about actually motivating us and moving us continually forward. It's a little bit like, and this is probably a really bad analogy, but it's a little bit like having a carrot on a stick, where the the carrot is dangling in front of us and we're continually moving forward to try and get that carrot. Now, it's a bad analogy because, you know, it, it kind of suggests that there's, you're never going to get it. But ultimately, when we get to heaven, that's the carrot on the end of the stick, right? Our life is about moving forward to that point and then ultimately being united with God in heaven. But that word, draw near to God, is really important for us in our relationship with, not only with God, but also with each other. Because we have a responsibility Now, it's very clear that it doesn't say God draws near to us so that we can draw near to him. I think it's very deliberate in saying draw near to God. And in James 4a, it does say draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Does that make sense? Our responsibility is to continually keep moving forward towards God in obedience and lots of other things. 
Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And in, in the King James, it actually says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Martin Luther, the original Martin Luther, said this, faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a man or woman could stake their life on it a thousand times. I know not the way God leads me, but well do I know my God. Well do I know my God. And I think that is an amazing summary of what faith is. We don't know the way that God leads us sometimes. Sometimes, like through this COVID period, you do sit back and think, what the heck is going on in the world? What, why is God allowing this stuff to happen? But... Well do I know my God. I know that God uses all situations for his good and for our good. And that is the profession of our faith. Martin Luther also said this, which I, I thought was amazing. Sorry, you may not be able to see that because I'm standing in the way. But it says, you have as much laughter as you have faith. And I think that's bold. It's a good way to look at it. It's difficult to laugh when times are hard. But he's saying we have as much laughter as we have faith. And I know from my own personal experience, you know, over the past three months, over the past 12 months really, probably longer than that, that I have not felt like laughing at times. I have felt faithful. But I think the essence of what he's saying here is that, sure, you don't have to wake up with a smile on your face every day, but what we can be assured of is that God is in control that no matter what, God uses all of these circumstances for his good. Our, our responsibility in that is to draw near to him and to be faithful in the fact that God uses every situation for his good. It's hard not to question and it's hard not to wonder what's going on and all of those things are okay. But our responsibility is just to hold on to our hope. You know, faith and hope are a choice. We cannot be robbed of our faith or hope. It's something that happens inside of us. Nothing externally can change this intrinsic hope and faith that we have inside of us. That's what we have to hold on to. And in 24, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. I, you know, to be honest, this one, this one scripture could be a whole message in itself because there's so much written in this, and I'm not going to go into that much depth um, of it, but consider, when, when we're asked to let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, is not a flippant thought around what we might want to tell someone. It's a deep consideration on our behalf through knowing that person through closeness, now, I believe that God can encourage us through strangers and people that don't know our circumstances. I really believe that. But what I believe this is talking about, this love, agape love, Ben talks about it all the time, and deeds, you know, actions, is through knowing each other in relationship and considering each other and considering how, how can I spur someone on to love and good deeds? And that word spur, second Greek word, Oh, I was already up there. 
paroxysmos. I think I said that right. Paroxysmos. Spur means a provocation which literally jabs or cuts someone so that they must respond. Provocation. Now, in our society and culture, when we think about provoking people, it generally has this negative connotation. But at the end of the day, provoking someone is inciting them to act. Now, they can act in a good way or a bad way. Our, our, our part in that is to provoke. Whether or not they respond good or bad is up to them. Now, this word spur, can anyone else, can anyone tell me where they've heard that word spur before? Exactly. What was that time? NBN. Not the basketball team. But if you look at their um, symbol, it is a spur, actually. The spurs is a spur. Cowboys wear spurs on their boots. And why do they wear spurs on their boots? So that they can jab the horse. I'm not condoning it. But they wear spurs so that they can jab the horse and provoke the horse to move forward, right? You don't, if you're riding a horse, you don't jab a horse to make it stop or to go backwards. You use those, some people would use spurs to make a horse move forward. It's the, it's the exact same word here. When we're asked to consider how we can spur each other on to love and good deeds, this is telling us to Think about someone that we know. Think about their circumstances. Think about the life that is going on around them. Think about their gifts and their talents. And spur them on towards love, agape love, and good deeds. And again, I'm not going to get too far into it, but good deeds is obviously two words. Good, the word in Greek, I haven't written it down, But the the translation of it is actually not just talking about nice things. It's talking about the deep good that's inside of us. The the Jesus factor, the the spirit that lives inside of us and in our hearts. It's talking about how can I, how can I spur someone on to bring out the good that's inside of them in love and good deeds. Not just love or not just good deeds but to spur them on in love and good deeds. I, for those of you who have been around church a long time, you know, this, this, I'm sure you've all been in this situation, and I'm not saying this to be critical of anyone, but has anybody, I'm not going to ask you to share it, I don't want to look around and make eye contact with anyone else, has anybody here ever received a word of encouragement at church where they have felt absolutely terrible after it. Show hands, anyone? No, don't show, I'm just joking. I'm positive, I'm positive that all of us have at some point had a good-intentioned, well-intentioned word of encouragement from someone at church that they have felt is a word from God potentially or an encouragement in our life that does the opposite of spurring you on. I have, and I'm very sensitive, you may not know that, but I am very sensitive, I take words to heart, and in the past, words that people have given me have really, really affected me, and they've made me not want to be around that person, they've made me not want to 
share up here or, you know, do, do whatever it is, speak to certain people or whatever the case may be. I, I, like all of us, have had those moments in time where we haven't been spurred on, where it almost feels the opposite of someone's yanked on the reins. You're feeling good about something you've done and then someone gives you a word. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need, um, we don't need a stern word every now and then. That, that's a different situation. What I'm talking about is when we try and encourage people, we haven't really considered the impact. We haven't considered all of their circumstances and all of their situations, and we just give them a word which we think is going to encourage them. Now, that is important, but what is more important is that we consider how we can spur them forward. We have to consider how what we say is going to impact on them. Is it going to stop them in their tracks or is it going to make them feel great about themselves and push them forward to love and good deeds? Now, I want to say this again. I'm not suggesting that we all walk around trying to just pat each other on the back and tell each other how great we're doing. All of us need some rebuke at some points. But that rebuke needs to come through relationship. And I don't know if this is a psychological balance or not, but from my experience, what I've been told is that if you want to give someone some criticism or some negative feedback, it needs to be counteracted with not two bits of good information or two bits of good feedback. It needs to be like a 10 to 1. You need to give someone 10 bits of encouragement before they'll accept one bit of criticism. And when we consider, consider through closeness and knowing each other, that's how we can understand each other. And again, I know that this, it sounds a bit heavy and, and you know, I'm, I'm certainly not saying that we shouldn't be, you know, in relationship with each other and, you know, pulling each other up when we need to. But what I'm saying is a, as, a, as a congregation, as a group of people here, what, we, what this scripture is telling us to do is get to know each other. Look at what they're good at, not what, what the world tells us we're not great at. Like I said at the beginning, the world is so good at telling us what we're not good at rather than looking what we are good at. And discipleship versus volunteerism, you know, they're two very, very different things. Discipleship is about how we act as people. You know, what, what do we, what is important to us and what is important to God, not not what we do for each other as a church. And so to summarise all of those things, there's three points. The first one is to actively keep moving towards God and drawing to him. You know, for me, over the past 12 months, I've, I've shared a lot. Um, you guys who have been around would, would know, you know, I've, I've shared a lot of the struggles that I've had over the past 12 months and really, those struggles are a culmination of undealt with issues, you know, from the past 38 years. And so, in situations that I've had in the past, what happened to me 12 months ago, I was really upset and questioning God and saying, why am I in this position again? Now, we all know the answer to that. There's that saying, wherever you go, there you are. You know, the, the common denominator is me in all of those situations. And so... You know, in reflection, I look at myself and, and wonder, what am I doing wrong here? And it, it gets to the point where in the past, I had changed jobs. You know, I changed my tact. I had done something to change my situation. And I believe that God is calling me to deal with some stuff in my life. 
I believe that God was spurring me forward to deal with some of this stuff. And what I had done in the past was to just keep sidestepping away from what the real issue is over here. And as I sidestep, it's a bit like a one-legged duck. You end up swimming in circles. You end up at the same spot. And then God gives us an opportunity to step forward again. And what I will say is stepping sideways is relief right here and then. It's, you know, it's, it, you step away from that problem, it's gone. You know, you get relief, you move on, everything's fresh and new, changes as good as a holiday, they say, all those sorts of things. But you end up back in the same spot. What I have felt and what I've dealt with is that walking this path of moving closer to God is actually difficult in the moment. It's been really, really, really hard. Really hard. Emotionally, you know, more than anything, it's been incredibly difficult to bring up these things of my past that have held me back. Issues that I didn't think were issues. But to speak about them and go through them and get them out, I believe is what God wants us to do. That is our active movement to draw near to God, walking forward, not when it's comfortable, but when it's right. And, you know, when I, when I started this journey 12 months ago, I wanted healing and peace. And I wanted healing and peace two years ago. I wanted healing and peace five years ago. I wanted healing and peace 10 years ago. But I wanted healing and peace to come through the way that I wanted it the way that I thought was right for me, to step away from what the issue was and to just focus my attention somewhere else and end up back in the same spot and wondering what the heck is going on. Where is God in all of this? Because ultimately that's where we end up. When things don't change, we ask, where is God? And that brings me to the second point and that is to hold fast to your faith and your hope. Over the past 12 months, I've been tempted a hundred times, maybe more, to question if God even exists. Is this some fabrication of my mind that's convenient at some times? Is it? I'm sure we've all been in that spot before. Is God really real? And if he is real, why am I in this position? Why, again and again and again, why can I not have the life of peace that I want? Why? And it's hard. But I stand here before you to say that faith is a choice. And I choose to believe in the experiences that I have had that cannot be explained by, by words. Experiences that I cannot explain by explanation to you around some of the things that have happened in my life. And what faith is, for me, faith is the intrinsic belief that what is happening to me now is from God. Because as I get further on down that journey, you know, if you think about it like a tunnel, as I get through that tunnel, I can see the light at the end of it. And at some points in a tunnel, there is no light. I don't know if anyone's ever been in a long tunnel or in a train or whatever, and at some point the light's out you can't see anything, you don't really know where you are or anything like that. But at some point in time, 
the tunnel straightens out and you can see the light at the end of it. And I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And as I continue to draw near to God and hold on to my faith, that light gets brighter and brighter. And I know for, for a fact in my life that what I'm going through today, what I have been through over the past 12 months, no matter how difficult it has been, I know that God has a plan for my life. That God has a plan to prosper me, not to hurt me. That he wants the best for me. He wants me to deal with stuff that happened in my past because it is an anchor in my, in my present. Because he has a plan for my future. And whatever that plan may be, I hold on to that by choice, by stubborn faith. To not give up on that. To know that God is in every single situation that I face. My response is the only thing that's important in that. Am I going to sidestep it again and end up back in the same position? Or am I going to continue to take steps forward? And I have had enough, personally, I've had enough of sidestepping. I played gridiron for eight years, a lot of you would know. When you play gridiron, you do not sidestep. No matter what's coming at you, you cannot sidestep. You have to take one for the team. And I am making a choice through faith to draw near to God and to take anything that comes at me because I know that this is part of God's plan for my future and he has the same for you. And the third one is encourage others in love and good deeds. Now, I will say I believe it's deliberate to put these three in order. I believe that you can't Encourage others in love and good deeds necessarily to the full extent of what God would want us to if we are not drawing near to God. Because when we draw near to God, we experience things, we grow, we develop. We get a deeper understanding of him. And that's important when we're loving and encouraging other people because we understand that ultimately what's most important in life is to draw near to God and to hold on to our faith. If I was struggling with my faith, could I encourage others in their faith? It would be difficult. It would be insincere. And it says in that scripture, to draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings. A sincere heart. That's not to say that anyone is being insincere but I know for sure right now, at this point in time in my life, if anyone came to me and said, I'm struggling with something, I keep going around in circles, around in circles, I can say to them with full assurance and sincerity that God is with you, that God loves you, God is part of this process, this journey that you are going through. Look to find God. Don't look to find the solution because God is the solution. God will bring it for you. Look to find God, not the solution. And I said earlier, you know, about words of encouragement that we've received at church. And, you know, I don't want to point the finger at anyone, of course. I would never do that. But in my own experience, I can tell you that I have done this as well. You know, Larissa is an amazing worship leader. And sometimes she speaks. And when she asks me, how did I go, I give her feedback. Well, our husbands are laughing because they know. <laughs> well, what I am learning is that I have not lived out 
this spurring forward to love and good deeds. In fact, when Larissa asked me for feedback, I did the opposite. Out of good intention, I gave her good feedback, I thought. But it was feedback about how she might improve next time. Now, is that important? Sure, if that's what they want. If someone says, tell me how I can improve next time, you can do that. But what I have learned is that I, I really hurt her sometimes and upset her by the feedback that I gave out of good intention. And obviously, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> I would never lie to her. But what I am learning through this scripture is that if I'm going to spur her on to love and good deeds, I should be focusing on what she is amazing at and what she is gifted at. And I should encourage her in those giftings, in the things that she is amazing in, not the things that I think she could have done better. And really, to be honest, what I'm probably saying is, if you want to be a bit more like me, maybe you can, you know, maybe you should do this or that. You know, I'm looking at it through my lens. If I was doing that, what would I improve? But ultimately, God doesn't care about her delivery. God doesn't care about my delivery right here and now. God cares about all of us and our heart towards what God is calling us to right at this moment, how we respond to these different situations. And I feel like as a church, that is where we're at right now. We have had all of this stuff taken away. We've had relationship taken away in some forms. And now we're back. And I believe that God is, is calling us to draw near to him, draw near to him, continually moving forward, seeking him first above all other things, even if it means jumping into a furnace. Julie mentioned earlier about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Even if it means jumping into a furnace to come out of that fire, not even smelling of smoke. That's what God is calling us to do. And to hold fast to our faith and our hope, knowing that God is always with us that internal, intrinsic belief that cannot be shaken, no matter what is happening. You have as much laughter as you have faith. I, I will say just briefly, you know, I, do, I feel like over the past 12 months for me, there's been this barrage of, I'll say, challenges, these new things to, I feel like God wants to, um, to grow me in the way that I respond to different situations. And only three weeks ago, where I was at a low point, something else happened where, where you know, someone um, basically singled me out and, you know, um, sent this email. Anyway, it, the, the situation is not important. When I saw that, my first reaction was to get upset and, and feel the injustice of what was written. But my second response was actually to laugh. And I, I say that genuinely... I thought, this is, this is amazing. Only God, only God could orchestrate things in this order for these things to happen, for me to realise that actually God is most important in this. And I have faith that God has called me to, you know, what I'm doing. And to be challenged externally from that, I do believe that the enemy wants to try and test us and, and challenge us and make us question our faith. But in that moment, this moment of clarity and peace, I laughed because I felt like I knew the truth of what was going on and it was a test of faith. 
And in that, in what I'm saying here and in the relationships that I have and, and what God is asking us to do is to spur each other on, to encourage each other, to provoke each other to love and good deeds, not provoke to an angry response, but to provoke each other, to spur each other on, to love, agape love, unconquerable benevolence. You have to ask Ben what that means. And good deeds, the good that comes from within us, not the, not the way the world interprets good, but the good that is in every single one of us, to spur each other on, to have an outpouring of that good deeds from every single one of us in whatever way that looks. All of us. All of us have that in us. All of us have been gifted. All of us, all of us have something to give, not through volunteerism, but through discipleship, because that is what God has called us to do. That is living like Jesus lived. I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift that you keep pouring into us. And I just pray, Lord, that you give us peace and comfort in these trying times. I pray for anyone who might be wavering in their faith, Lord, that you just give them an experience, an anchor to hold on to, an unwavering hope and faith in your love and acceptance. And I just pray, Lord, for us as a church and as a community that we consider how we might spur each other on in love and good deeds, that we draw near to you. And as your word says that we draw near to you and you draw near to us. And pray that you bless every single person in their journey. I pray that you make it obvious, Lord, the path that we are to take. And I pray for the comfort, the bravery and the confidence to be able to step out and set foot on that path no matter how, things, how hard seem, uh, things seem. And I just pray that you be with us today, bless our fellowship and uh, bless everyone's week and keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen.